So today we are going to look at the question of how Christians relate to uh, people of other faiths and people of no faith. We just heard uh, uh, one of our prayers today was for uh, people in a situation where they're being persecuted. They're part of a, a minority religion, um, and uh, the, the state is involved and is uh, uh, interfering with the operation of this orphanage um, for, for religious reasons. And so we'll be talking about the question of how do Christians... How do Christians relate to people of different faiths and people of no faith? Um, the church has struggled down through the years to do this well. We can all point to examples in history where uh, the church has done this very badly. Um, uh, and, and we can hopefully think of some examples of times and places where the church has done, has done very well in relating to people of other faiths. What we know from Scripture is that what we are, what we're called to do, what Jesus instructs us to do in the Great Commission is to love our neighbor as ourself. And He doesn't qualify that. He doesn't say love other Christians as yourself. He doesn't say, uh, love other people who are part of the Abrahamic faith community, um, as yourself. He doesn't say love, uh, people of monotheistic religions. He doesn't say love people so long as they believe in me. He says love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the question we're going to be looking at today. How do Christians relate to people of other faiths, and in particular people of no faith? Um, and and uh, the, the, the area in which we're going to look at that is, is the area of prayer. How do we pray for people of other faiths? We've been in this conversation now uh, since last week. We've been talking about prayers. That the, the, the Bible gives us examples of people who are prayers, people who do praying, and rather than look at some, some list of instructions that tells us um, uh, ways we should pray or, or t- you know, the, the ten secrets of, of prayer, the do's and the don'ts, we're going to look at actual example prayers with the hope that there's, that there's things we can find in there and then apply in our own prayer life. And, and the truth is, most of us have got people, um, we don't have to go to Myanmar, we can, we can go to our dinner table or to the person across the street. Most of us know people who are either of other faiths. We heard about um, uh, uh, Debbie, Deborah, back in the back, whose friend is Jewish. Um, uh, we, we, we know people of other faiths. We know people who are, who are non-believers. Uh, they, may be, they may be in our house. They may be across the street. They may be in our workplace or in our school. Most of us know people who are not believers in the God that we believe in. So the, the, the question we, we have is, how can we pray for them? Uh, you know, we, 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 we do. I think most of us do pray for the people around us. We, we know this person who's struggling because of some problem in their life, um, because, because of the, the way things are turning out at work or because of a particular health situation, so we pray for them. But the question is, how should we pray for them? We do. So what does the Bible tell us how we can do it well? How can we pray for people particularly people who don't know God. So what I want to do is I want to look at this passage from uh, Second uh, Chronicles. There, uh, there's really only one book of Chronicles, but um, if you've ever peeled an orange and tried to figure out how much rind you can get, there's only so much, so much leather, there's only so much parchment you can get from a goat. So what they did in the olden days is they made the scroll as long as they could, and when they ran out of scroll, then they started second whatever. So First Chronicles is the first goat, and uh, Second Chronicles is the second goat. And that's where these names come from. So we're going to be looking at the second part 
of the book of Chronicles. So we're going to be looking at Second Chronicles in chapter 6. There's a passage where Solomon prays. And Solomon is really not known to us as a, as a man of prayer. Um, if, you, if you talk to church people, they'd say Solomon is a man of wisdom. Uh, Solomon has three books in the Bible that are attributed to him. Uh, they're all books of wisdom. Uh, Solomon has the, the book of Proverbs, full of all kinds of pithy advice about the way we, we can order our lives. Um, he has the book of Ecclesiastes, where he wrestles with some of the deepest questions that people have. And he has the, the, the Song of Solomon, where he talks about about sex and marriage. And he was an expert on that because he was married 300 times and had lots of concubines besides that. So Solomon was a very wise man, and he's not remembered for his prayer life. But we're going to look at a prayer that Solomon prayed today, um, and it, it is when he was fulfilling the work of his father David. David, his, his father, was the second king of Israel and was well known as a, as a man of prayer. Uh, the, the book of Psalms, most of the Psalms are attributed to David. So David is well known as a man of prayer. But David could not do the thing that, that Solomon was doing. Solomon said, um, uh, David said to God, I'm going to build you a house. And God said, no, you're not, because you're a man with bloody hands. And so your son, Solomon, will build the house. So David put aside a lot of money, and he, he said, Solomon, when you get old enough and when you're king, I want you to build this house for God. And that is where we pick up the story. Solomon has done that. If you go back and look at the last few chapters, he's been hiring the workers, he's been getting the stone cut, and in the last chapter, the building is done and they begin the dedication. They bring in the Ark of the Covenant, the the Indiana Jones Ark of the Covenant, uh, is brought from the tent that's across the plaza. They've got a big tent there called the Tabernacle, and that's where the Ark has always been. For hundreds of years, the Ark of the Covenant has been in a tent, and now finally, for the first time, it's going to be moved into a permanent dwelling place. So the Ark of the Covenant in chapter 5 is brought into the temple. And now Solomon prayers this prayer of dedication for the temple. And he begins his prayer by saying, really, this doesn't make any sense, does it? It's, it's kind of silly to talk about a house for God. He says, even heaven and the highest heavens, even the sky and whatever's beyond the sky, the, the stars and the the, the, the things we see out in the night sky, even that cannot contain you, God. So how much less likely is it that you could be contained in this house? So he says, here, here is what my prayer is, God. My prayer is that while you cannot be contained in this house, that, that you would put your name in this house and that your name would be kind of a conduit. And so people would pray towards your name here in this house and then you would hear from heaven. He says, he says uh, you can't be contained here, but your name can dwell here. So he says, let your name dwell in this house, and then uh, it will be kind of a conduit for the prayers of people here on earth, and you will hear in heaven. And then he makes seven prayers. There's actually seven petitions. They're about a paragraph long, and rather than go through each one, I want to focus on just the fifth one. So each one concludes with this idea, God, and, and, and there's there's a list of them, when people go out, to battle when the heaven is shut up and there's no rain. All kind of prayers we might imagine uh, Solomon praying if there's a famine. And then the fifth one, uh, each one ends with the phrase, um, hear from heaven. And then we're going to pick it up in the fifth, in the fifth um, prayer. Solomon says, 
Likewise, when foreigners who are not of your people Israel come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, he says, he says, people will hear about you, God, and they will hear something in particular about you that they will not hear about other gods. They will hear that you are a God who acts, that you have a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, that you are not just a God who sits in a temple and you offer sacrifices and then good luck. They will hear of the great deeds you do. They will hear about you, God, and they will come to you. And if you stop and think about it, isn't that kind of odd? You know, he's just spent four years... He's spent an enormous amount of the national treasure building this monument, this this amazing temple uh, that is for the people of God. And in the middle of it, he says, and now let's talk about people who don't know you, who, who have no idea whether you're a real God or not. They come from a different place. They worshiped other gods there. They've been presented with a whole slate of gods that they can pick from. Um, they may not have any faith at all. And he says, but I want to make sure we, we address their need here too. I, imagine if, imagine if the, a new monument was being built on, on the, the mall in Washington, D.C., and the president or whoever was giving the speeches stopped in the middle and said, now let's talk about Canada. Let's talk about Mexico. What happens, how, how does this monument relate to people in Cameroon or in, in uh, Australia? That's what Solomon's doing. He's stopping in the middle of what he's doing and saying, let's talk about the foreigners for a minute. Let's talk about your relationship, God, to people who don't even belong in this building. He says, when they pray toward this building, what does he say? He says, they come, to, they come here because of your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. And when they come and pray toward this house, they're not allowed in it because they're foreigners. But when they pray toward it, May you hear from heaven your dwelling place and give them just enough of a hint of your goodness that they're intrigued and want to move forward. Is that what he says? No. He says, do whatever the foreigner asks. He says, do anything they ask. Isn't that an amazing prayer? That's an amazing prayer. He says, do whatever the foreigner asks. And he doesn't say, if they become Christians or, or Jews, if they, if they begin to follow you, God, he says, he says, do whatever they ask in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel. And they may know your name has been invoked on this house that I have built. You know, I, I don't know if that's the prayer a lot of us pray for, for the, the foreigners, for the people we know who are far from God, the people in our lives, the the non-believers, the people who who have a belief, but it's not ours, people who are part of other religions. Do we pray that kind of generous prayer? I think a lot of us, I I know speaking for myself, a lot of the time uh, I kind of go through this this kind of thought process and I say, um, you know, this person is probably just kind of shotgunning it, right? You know, there are no atheists in foxholes. They don't, they don't know exactly what God, you know, they're not a, they're not a believer in my God, but they're willing to be helped. So, so they say, you know, sure, I'll pray to this God, I'll pray, you know. And my concern is that if, if God answers their prayer, they might misattribute it. They might say, well, you know, for all I know, Zeus answered that prayer. Or maybe the reason I did it is because I'm a pretty clever person and I figured out the solution to my problem. And so I, I say, you know, in my heart, I say to myself, Answer their prayer, but not too much. 
don't overdo it because because you wouldn't want to waste any grace on people who don't know you and 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 I'm kind of I'm kind of stingy that way and and you know I wonder how 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 many of us uh, pray that way we act like there's some some small bucket that God's got and we want to make sure that most of it goes to people who believe in God and that maybe a little bit of the the excess a little bit of the leftovers can go to people who don't know God and Solomon says that's not very wise Solomon looks at me, looks at my attitude, and says, that is not the wise way to pray. Solomon says, a much wiser way to pray is to pray that God would do whatever they ask. So, so what, is, what, is, what is the application? If, if, if that's what Solomon tells us to pray, as really kind of a specific application of the, the thing Jesus teaches, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, it's easy. We, we know these people. We, we may live with these people. We certainly know them. They live across the street or we go to work with them. We go to school with them. And we can say to them, how can I be in prayer for you? And they'll say, well, I don't, I don't believe that stuff. Or I don't, I'm not part of your religion. I go to a different church. I go to a different house of worship. I'm not part of your deal. And you can say, I know. I know. But but I believe in a God that wants to bless you anyway. Is there some way I can be in prayer for you? Is there something that 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 you want that God could give you? Let, let me put it this way, and you can tell your friends. You can say, let's suppose God was a genie. God's not a genie. But let's suppose God was a genie and you got the lamp. What are your wishes? What What would you rub that lamp and ask for? Are, are there hopes that you have about the future? Are there struggles that you're trying to get through? Are there dreams or aspirations that you have for your own life or other people in your life? What would you ask God if you believed in God? And I know you don't. And when they tell you, you say, well, then I'll pray for that. I'll pray for whatever you ask. Because we are called to be the temple. Peter tells us that we are living stones that are assembled into the temple of God. And so when people pray toward God today, they can do so through this temple that God has constructed of us living stones. So let's do that. Let's talk to people. Let's find out what their wishes and dreams are. And particularly, let's talk to people who don't know God, people who are very far from God. And if, if we find ourselves saying, but yeah, but what if, what if they get blessed too much? Solomon tells us, that's not our problem. God's smart. God can sort that all out. Let's just pray for the well-being, for the very fulfillment of the hopes and dreams of the people around us, particularly when they don't know God. You know, I think part of the reason the church struggles so much today, people, people have been so wounded so many times by the church that they don't want anything to do with Christianity. And I wonder how much of it is that idea that, that God will bless you if. God will bless you if you start changing your life, if you start acting like a Christian, if you start coming to church. How about if we flip that on its head and say, God will bless you, period. And God may bless you. God may bless you so much you start to wonder. You know, I used to be an atheist, but nobody's this lucky. How could I possibly be so lucky? Maybe that's God's strategy, is that people would be so blessed that they would start to look for 
Who has their thumb on the scale? Who is making this luck happen? Solomon tells us to pray for... Solomon shows us how to pray for people who are far from God. He says, ask God to do whatever they want. Their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, the struggles they're dealing with. Pray that God would bless them enormously. Let's pray that way. Heavenly Father, sometimes, Lord, we are, we are stingy. We act as if you have just a small bucket of grace. But we know you have unlimited grace. And so we pray for people who don't know you, that you would fulfill every dream and every, every longing that you have put in their heart, that you would make them successful beyond, beyond their own comprehension, and let them begin to wonder, how could they be so fortunate? We pray for the people who do know you, that you would be as gracious to them. And we pray that you would make us all good at prayer. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.